speak in agreement with your prophetic word this morning, Pastor Marianne. Because the moment that you said it, there was a witness in my spirit that out of this tragic situation that is confronting the entire globe, God is going to get glory. And I try not to speak of my mind because my mind just travels into a situation where all the doctors, all the medical attention, all the science that is involved in trying to bring this terrible disease under control is going to be found to be wanting, very limited. And I think China is going to find that deliverance comes through the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. The, we are living in glorious days. Don't let anybody tell you that these days are anything less than glorious. This is the process that we're coming through. So don't judge today by the process. Judge it by its destiny. And, I, and I'll tell you what, we've had the prophetic word of the Lord for two millennia. And it's increasing in the last century that the glory of the Lord is about to cover the earth even as the waters cover the seas. And my faith is in the word of God, not the history of the church or the experiences of man. George, would you just turn this, maybe I'll lift this up a little bit. Okay. It's a glorious day that we're living in. Amen. But remember this. Before there is a miracle, there always has to be a crisis. Miracles don't occur without a need. And a miracle only occurs when all other efforts are exhausted. There is no, when the element of prob probability is taken away and the only thing left in that circumstance is impossibility. That's when the miracle yes. takes place. Somebody say amen. So no matter what is going on in your life right now, trust in God because you're going through a process. Good, You're going through a process. And in not many days hence, you will be celebrating with rapturous joy and amazement. And you will shout from the rooftops, every person you meet, you'll have this one statement coming off your lips. Look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord has done. So while we thank him <clears throat> for the blessings, and we celebrate in joy with the fulfillment of our expectations, that's not the real medium 
of God's glory or grace. See, you think you glorify God by the miracle that takes place. No, no, no. The glory to God occurred way before the miracle took place. It was manifested in your attitude. How do you look at situations? This morning I want to share with you something that I have, uh, my own spirit has been awakened to. My wife introduced me to a internationally known Christian psychologist, Dr. There, Caroline Leaf and our baby with her. Uh, you think reading my stuff is tough. I mean, hers, wow. I mean, you really. She is remarkably gifted with a spiritual insight as to our relationship with God. And I have been so encouraged. Uh, I've been reading from her. And you know, my wife said it, and I'm not trying to boast in this statement at all. I'm just trying to point out that we are sensitive to the mind of God. But my wife said, you know, everything that I hear her speak, what I've read, not the technical scientific jargon, but the, the practical applications of, of what she's talking about is something we have heard in this church for years and years and years. It's a very simple statement. What you say is what you get. But she helps me or help me to take this even deeper than just what you say because we've always thought that what you think is what you are. But she's helped me to realize a little different perspective. What you are is what you think. Even though, you know, you see, man is manipulative. And man, in his intellect, can acknowledge certain things. Take, for instance, the father of the boy who is demon-possessed. And all the contention that was going on, the, the disciples not being able to deliver this boy from this possession and having arguments and Jesus came and discovered what was going on and he was told and in the final analysis Jesus said that this boy will be healed and it was the statement of the father that is critical to our understanding of what I'm about to speak this morning all things are possible to them that believe. Now that's a theological statement. But it's an academic statement. Yes, I believe. I believe God can. But that's not faith. Faith takes the can and transforms it into will. I believe God will. That's where our faith comes to play. So here we see this, this father grieving over the, uh, the, the, the tragedy of his son. 
Oh, and in and, and a moment of complete transparency, he says to Jesus what sometimes we're afraid to say because we don't want to sound as if we have any doubt in our hearts. <clears throat> yeah, well, I, Lord, I believe. But then all of a sudden, there's something within his bosom that says, you know what, do you really believe? Oh, yeah, I know what you can do. There's no doubt in my mind of your supremacy. I know what you can do, but I don't know if I have the faith to believe in what you will do with my son. The issue here is not a one of belief. We believe many things. But belief is a principle of views and philosophy of life. But there's something that is deeper than just what your mind believes. It's called your mindset. You see, the mind controls the brain. The brain controls the body. But it's your mindset that controls your mind. You react to things in life according to the perception that is presented to you by what you have already established in your mind. Let me read this to you. A mindset is an attitude or a cluster of thoughts with attached information and emotions that generate a particular perception. You can intellectually believe in something, but it's not a part of your faith value. To believe in something is to have it within your mindset. I, 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 I've readjusted my mindset. Now let me give you some scriptures and show you you know, how the apostles dealt with this. In Romans, Paul writes, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies, excuse me, a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable God, which is your reasonable service, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. It's not about consent. It's not about acceptance. It's not about, I believe this. It's about, there needs to be a renewal in our mind. 
I, there has to be a change in the perception that our old nature brought us through to where we have the perception of our lives as Christ sees us. Let me read in Ephesians chapter 4, 22 and 24. That you cut off <clears throat> concerning your former conduct. The old man which grows corrupt according to deceitful lust. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that you put on the new man which was created according to God. <clears throat> in righteousness and true holiness. Paul is admonishing the Ephesians and he's speaking to believers. He said, you need to have a transformation deep within your heart. Heart is synonymous in scripture to what we say is mindset today. What comes out of a man's heart is what is revealed through his life. <clears throat> so, Present your bodies a living sacrifice, acceptable God, which is your reasonable service. Now notice these words. Uh, that's in Romans 12. I'm going back to Romans 12, 1. And do not be conformed to this world. Don't incorporate the philosophies, the worldview, the mindsets of this world and make it part of yours. This world doesn't know what it's talking about. And I think in the last few weeks, we've seen that even great politicians can come across as how many people really were worried about that when it first started? Oh boy, they're going to get rid of him. And if your mindset was just, well, it seems like this thing is going to happen. You are much surprised. But if your mindset is on the mind of God and knowing God's purposes and plans for today, you are able to rest in assurance that no matter the outcome, God's in control. God's not in control only and if your expectations are realized. Sometimes that's what we call faith. I believe God is going to do this. My question to you is, why? Why do you believe God is going to do this? Most people come back and say, for His honor and glory. Really? Or is it for your benefit? Or is it to fulfill your expectations? Why do you want God to do something? See, if, you're, if your mind is in set, or let's put it a different way. If mindset may be something that uh, you're not grasping, let me put it another way that Paul says. That the mind of Christ be in you. Renew your mind so now that we are thinking in parallel 
in union, in harmony with Christ's mind. And in Christ's mind, his father could do everything and would do everything. He completely trusted in the father, no matter what the situation, no matter what the circumstance. That's the mindset we need. I'm not afraid of what lies before me. And it's when we're delivered from that fear that we see the manifestation of God not only in spiritual but in very tangible ways. Put off Ephesians 4 concerning your former conduct. Don't act the way... But you know what? Maybe you think you can overcome your conduct by doing certain things, following certain disciplines. But the problem is that unless you have changed, your mind has been changed. You may be able to take control of certain aspects of your life, but there's always that danger of falling back. That's why Alcoholics Anonymous never pronounce a man free from addiction. But he's in the process of being delivered. I'm an alcoholic, they announce. Now they believe that they're going to be able to gain victory over their circumstances and situation. But their belief is based upon their understanding of human nature and of their own experiences. And we have to be careful that when we evaluate situations, when we look at situations, we don't evaluate them by what we think is probable or possible. We don't evaluate them or compare them to our experiences of the past. Say, well, I know this isn't going to happen. I've tried a thousand times. <clears throat> you don't look to the strength of your own character. You don't look to the perfection of your gifts. These are none of the things that should be allowed in our evaluation of our faith. It's a new mindset. The mind of Christ. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And then you put on the new man which is created according to God in righteousness and true holiness. I contend this morning that if a person's mind has not been renewed to where now we reflect solely the mind of Christ, that he'll never have a relationship with God. He'll only have a religion. Only religion. Again, Paul in 2 Corinthians 10.3, he writes... For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. In other words, don't try to find solution by looking to your experiences 
or what somebody else said is an equitable solution. No. No, my mind is corrupt in my natural state. It's this spiritual mind of Christ that I must evaluate all things. I must see everything as God sees it. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not human. They're not based in our nature. It's not about other people's nature. But mighty in God for the pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Now, many people, when they read this particular portion of the scripture, they see an external factor. They read it as if, okay, we're pulling down all strongholds. The strongholds are out there. Whatever stronghold Satan has, we're going to come and pull it down. Um, we're casting down the arguments when somebody comes and tells us uh, what we believe is wrong. Uh, we, we can cast down those arguments. And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. But I contend that Paul isn't referencing to something that, it's, that is outside of us. I contend that Paul is referencing to something that is inside of us. How do we think? What is the foundation of our thinking, our mindset? Your spirit of your mind. And I believe that Paul is telling us, and he, again, he wrote to three different churches. These are Christians. These are born-again believers. Some of these even saw Jesus in the flesh. But he was telling them that there is a need for us to come to Christ and say, Lord, let your mind be in me. Let me think the way you think. Then, out of nature, I will act according to your will. Tear down the strongholds that have been erected in your nature, in your experiences. Before you act, think, why am I doing this? And the reason that you're doing this is because that which is deep-seated in that spiritual mind 
Is it negative? Listen to yourself talk. Evaluate your expectations. While you can say, well, everything is going to come out good, I know it will. Do you believe that it will? Why do I do things? It's because of what is in my mind. It's what in my spirit. I need to renew my mind on a daily and consistent basis. That when the thoughts of my human nature, forget about Satan, when the thoughts of my human nature come and say to me, oh, that's not going to happen the way you want it to happen, I can say to those thoughts, listen, I don't care how it happens, it's not about what I want to happen, it's about what God wants to happen. I'm committed to that. Not according to my expectations, but according to the mind of Christ that is in me and wants to manifest itself through me. There's that contention. Paul speaks about this in Romans uh, chapter uh, uh, 7. The contention between the old nature and the new nature. The old nature is always seeing things negatively. Always making promises to itself that we're going to make changes. I, I, I see, they recognize this is wrong. I, I need to do something about it. And so the, the old nature strives to do something about it. But that contention between the old nature and the new nature creates an adversarial situation. And Paul, in ex, uh, exasperation, he lifts up his hands and he cries out. He said, I would that I do good, but I do it not. And the evil that I don't want to do, that I'm doing. Oh, wretched man that I am. Why? Because in the secret chambers of his mindset, he was confused, convoluted. Yes, I believe this, but yes, I believe that. I mean, it's a contention. But when you settle it in your thinking, that no matter what I'm going through, it's all good. It doesn't have to manifest itself in any particular way. Because I'm not here for me. It's not about my wants, my wishes, my desires, my expectations. I'm not living for that. I want to use a personal testimony right now, but I kind of hesitate doing it because I'm afraid you're going to think that I'm saying this because I think that I'm someone religiously superior to others but it's so far from the truth <laughs> if you really knew 
what I really think of myself and my humanity. But I don't think of myself any longer in my humanity. That old man has passed away. But many years ago, I came to an understanding that all things work together for good. Now, that's not a quote. That's not an intellectual statement of faith. I mean, it really has become a part of my nature, of my inner being. That's my mindset. All things work together for good. So when they told me I had to have a heart operation, they told me I had to go do this and I had to do that, I didn't panic and call out to please pray for me, please pray for me. That God's will be done in my life, that I'll be healed. Oh, 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 oh. is that God's will at this time? You may think that's sacrilegious, but let me tell you something. God uses affirmity and afflictions probably more so than he uses the manifestations of our expectations. Every time I was told that I had to go into the hospital. You know what I thought? You know what I thought? I said, this is in God's plans. There's somebody I need to talk to. There's someone I need to minister to. And the only way that I can get to them is to be on the same floor as they are. And I've gone through things. My doctors. I'm going to go see one of them on Wednesday. Every time I see him, he shakes his head. Shakes his head. His nurse practitioner has said to Pastor Gary and myself several times, I don't know how you are sitting here in this office looking the way you do. It's not a miracle to me. God had a plan. Somebody needed to hear the word. And they weren't going to go to a church. So God sent me there. And they were in a particular ward. They were in a particular floor. The ones that I had to minister to last year were on the cardiac floor, on the intensive care floor where, you know, you're dying in two weeks. But I had a peace. Not that I expected a miracle to save my life. My peace wasn't in my expectation. My peace was in the knowledge that all things, all things are good. We memorize scripture. We argue over theology. We have our creeds. We have our customs, our liturgy. 
And too often we spend time reinforcing those things. When the thing that you and I need to do is ask ourselves, do you really believe? Again, I'm not going to try to elevate somebody, but I'm just going to save it a fact. I have never met anyone in all my years of ministry that had a more simple faith than my wife. But her simple faith wasn't born out of head knowledge. It wasn't born out of experience. It's just that in her mind, she knows God is in control. And while I was having peace ministering in the hospital, my wife was having peace knowing that God's in control. Not having to make demands on what has to take place, how it should work out, because she has the confidence. It's going to work out just perfectly. That, my friend, is the mind of Christ. And that's the gift that he wants to give us this morning challenge to renew the way we think. Listen to yourself. Is your joy based on expectations? Or is your confidence based simply and purely on the knowledge God's in control? And no matter what, do you have the confidence that Jesus said we should when he declared, I hold you in the palm of my hand. And no one can take you out. It's cool. It's simple. Proverbs tells us that as a man thinks, yes, so is he. What do you think? Don't think you know what you think just because you think that you know what you think. I'll tell you. I don't know what you think. Examine your actions. Listen to your words. Because out of the abundance of the heart, out of the abundance of that mindset, proceeds life, activity, words. So if your mindset isn't where it needs to be. This is what we pray. Lord, renew my mind. 
renew my mind day by day by day by day by day renew my mind Father I thank you for this opportunity I've had to share this word with your people and I know that this was an eloquent maybe not even easy to understand But there's life in the words that were spoken here this morning. There's joy and peace, fulfillment, contentment. When we allow the mind of Christ to be our mind. It's not even about teaching me your ways, O Lord. It's more about just letting me accept your ways and acknowledge that your ways are above my ways. In any way that you work out things in my life, whether I like them or not, whether I think they're beneficial or not, let me realize that your way is always the best way. For it's the way. Thank you, Jesus. Would you just, for a moment or two, try to contemplate the words that you heard this morning and go, just get to this point. It used to be an expression that Marianne coined many years ago when we had children's club, kids club, kingdom club, kingdom kids. And we coined this little phrase, know and you know her. And that's what we're talking about. What's in your knower? Search me, O Lord. Know my heart. Try me, O Spirit. Reveal to me the way I need to change. I did. I turned it on. I I was thinking, you know, I, I'm teaching a class on Tuesday nights called Well-Behaved Children. 
And one of the things that I was writing just this week to put in the notes for the class is that it's so important that we teach our children from the very beginning to pray, Lord, show me your purpose for my life. If we could teach our children to pray that from the beginning, there wouldn't be so many adults in here today trying to say, I just need to figure out the purpose for my life. We can't figure it out. And whatever we figure out wouldn't be important anyway. But we need to recognize and pray every morning. Lord, show me your purpose for what I'm doing today. Not my purpose. This isn't about us. If we would recognize how our life looks to God, just think about it for a minute. I remember when Jerry Rowan went to Brunei and he was telling us the stories about the Sultan of Brunei is so wealthy. His kids, he gets them a Mercedes Benz and fills the tank with gas. And when it runs out of gas, they just abandon it along the side of the road and go get another one. They're so rich. And I thought, wow, that's really rich. He's really rich. God uses gold for paving material. He looks at the Sultan of Brunei and says, he's got a little bit of stuff, I guess. I mean, it's no big deal. God doesn't think he's rich. Why? Because God has the bigger picture. And he's given each one. I'm as rich as the Sultan of Brunei. Well, I'm richer than he is in spiritual things, absolutely. But I mean, in material possessions, I have everything that I need. And God has given me what I need to have so that I can accomplish what he's given me to do for him. If I had everything the Sultan of Brunei has, my kids would be abandoning cars along the highway and I would have taught them no good thing. But if I can teach them to pray every morning, Lord, show me. Here's the thing that I said this to Bishop, I think yesterday when we were talking about something similar to this. I said, if we could learn to say, what am I here for? Instead, if we would say, who am I here for? It would change our life. Because if I say, who are you here for? And all, everything you do points to, I'm here for me. You missed it. But if I can say to you, who are you here for? And you can say, I'm here for God. I'm connected to God. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you so much for the marvelous word that has come from this holy desk this morning. And Lord, I ask that you would cause it to take root in our hearts, that we would all strive to know our purpose according to you, not according to the world, Lord. What did you make us for? For your purpose. We know you made us on purpose and you have a reason for it. Lord, I ask that you would reveal it to each one of us so that we might go forward and do the thing 
that you've given us to do. And now could I ask you all to stand? Because I want to bless you. I love doing this. Church, I bless you this morning with an understanding of who you are and why you're here. I bless you with the understanding that God has created you for his specific purpose and that as you do that purpose, you will prosper because you'll be expecting God's things to be coming to pass in your life. I bless you this morning in the name that is above every name. I bless you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I receive that blessing. Now go in peace. Oh, but don't go too far away because I need to ask Mr. Ronald Carter, could you report to the front of the church, please? Mr. Joseph Gideon, could you please come up here? This is important. They both heard me. They're both shaking their heads. You have to do what I say. Joey. Oh, were you 65, Ron? Yeah, I know. Are you 65 yet? Are you? You're getting Social Security. My favorite grandson.